Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehila Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Welcome. I am privileged and honored this morning to uh, minister to you the Word of God. Pastor Nick, a couple of weeks ago, had asked me if I would be willing to minister, and I said yes, and so I've been in prayer, and I've been studying, I've been getting ready, and uh, my prayer is that this flow, flow well. God's put a lot of things on my heart. And uh, last night I seen Tikva going through my notes here. Hopefully she didn't mix them all up. So, a few months ago, Pastor Nick said something that I had never heard a pastor say before. And I was sitting right over there. And when he said it, I was jumping all up and down on the inside. Because this is what I, I had thought these things, and I, had, I believe these things, but I had never heard anybody say it. And he said that we should know by experience the difference between the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And that's so true. I know in my prayer time, my study time, my life as walking with the Lord, that there has been different times when I know it's the Father. And in my relationship, most of the time, I know it's the Lord. And then, always, the Spirit of God is walking with us, and He's always in us, and He's always talking to us. And uh, I just want to bear witness with what Pastor Nick had said along these lines, because that's exactly how I feel also. So, we are in between Passover and Pentecost. And I know that Pastor Nick has been sharing messages along this line about the Spirit of God. And uh, I'm going to uh, continue to build upon that foundation. So, uh, my prayer is that I will honor Pastor Nick and and, uh, make him proud. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One, some scriptures here that will help us to be able to tell that they are different people, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, is if you recall when Yeshua was in the garden and he was praying, he was getting ready to go to the cross, he prayed this prayer. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And so... If you have a will, you are a distinct and unique individual. And our God is that way. In 1 Corinthians 12, 11, it talks about the gifts of the Spirit. But it says there, All these worketh that one 
and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he wills. So God the Father has a will, Yeshua has a will, and the Holy Ghost has a will. Hallelujah. So I want to start out, I want to start out by sharing some things about the difference between spectacular and supernatural. There's a difference. Sometimes Christians get them mixed up, and there's a difference and a very big difference. So much today is based around, especially entertainment and recreation, is based around spectacular. You know, we've got <clears throat> the Avengers and the Guardians of the Galaxy. We've got Superman and Spider-Man and Wonder Woman. And we spend much time observing these things. And sometimes we, when we start to learn about God and the greatness of God and the power that he has, we kind of expect to see the move of God be spectacular. But God really, and the things of God really, are supernatural. And they can be very spectacular. But we have, because we've entertained ourselves so much, and that our, our senses, our natural senses, have been overwhelmed. And it seems like we must, we must have more and more spectacular, and we become calloused in a way. We become insensitive. Our conscience can be seared. It, it can be dull. But there is a difference between spectacular and supernatural. And what I'm going to share today is the supernatural. Here's some supernatural things. You see, supernatural, in fact, sometimes the most supernatural thing is not spectacular, and it's not glorified. As an example, I'm going to share from Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 38. But it talks about Mary. At the end, it says, Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done unto me according to thy word. And that response to God's word mixed with faith created the, the Savior. It created Jesus. Jesus was conceived and we had a virgin birth. A very supernatural action. <clears throat> Here's another supernatural action. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says this, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The new birth, the, the new creation is a very supernatural thing. And really, we can't see it on the outside. It happens on the inside. I remember when I got born again, and it was very, very supernatural, and to me, very spectacular. Here's another 
supernatural act of God. It's the probably the most supernatural act of God. It's the resurrection. When Yeshua died, he descended. He descended into hell, and there was a period of time where Satan believed that he had won and he had defeated God and he had the word, the, the living word of God, his son, uh, trapped, contained in, in the bowels of the earth in hell. And I'm going to share the, the words of God that, that raised him from the dead. And they are first prophesied in Psalms chapter 2. It's spoken about in Acts chapter 13. But here in Hebrews <clears throat> chapter 1 verse 5, and then I'm going to read verse 8 and 9. But this is how God raised Jesus from the dead. This is the resurrection and I believe the most powerful demonstration of the supernatural. It says in verse 5, For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. You see, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us, but this is how Jesus was raised, by God's word, faith in God's word, the spirit delivered Yeshua from Satan's grip. It was by the word of God. Just like when God created the heavens and the earth, and then he said, let there be light, and there was light, and that's how our God creates. That's the supernatural aspect of our God, is by faith in his words, he speaks, and that's how he creates. Going on with verse 8 and 9, it says, But unto the Son he saith, You see, the Father is speaking. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, has anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. There's more there, but I, the point that I wanted to make was just to express the most supernatural act of God, and it was in the resurrection, and he spoke these words and delivered Yeshua out of the grip of Satan. The resurrection. Hallelujah the most supernatural act of God. Okay. Moving along, I'm going to share some scriptures about Pentecost, about the Holy Spirit coming. In Acts chapter 1, verse 4. I'm going to read a number of scriptures, but I'm going to start here. And being assembled together with them, commanded them 
that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Verse 8, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Acts chapter 2 verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I wanted to make a point there because we're going to talk about this in a little bit. But they were filled and they began to speak. Hallelujah. So in Galatians chapter 3, verse 14, it's, it talks about also that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles to Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit by faith. <clears throat> and here is the promise. In Luke chapter 24, verse 20, uh, 49, Yeshua is saying, And behold, I send the promise of the Father upon you, but tarry ye in Jerusalem, in the city of Jerusalem, until you be endued with power from on high. Endued means to be endowed or provided with a quality or an ability. In John chapter 14, verse 16 and 17, Yeshua says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. That's important whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. These are scriptures that's just laying a foundation that we can build upon. In John chapter 16, verse 7, Yeshua says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him, send him unto you. In John chapter 14, verse 26, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and will bring to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Hallelujah. The promise, the Holy Ghost. Also in Galatians 3.14, it says that we might receive the promise of the Holy Ghost by faith. There's a, there is faith required in receiving the gift of God, the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I'm going to go in a little bit different direction here. To just give more foundation, more scripture, and to build. In Genesis 1, chapter 1, verse 26, 
God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness, and let them have dominion. We know that God has hands, he has feet, there's the finger of God, there's the right hand of God. But in this scripture, when he talks about being created in his image and in his likeness, it's not so much about this physical body. In John chapter 4, it talks about, it tells us, it explains to us, it reveals to us that God is a spirit. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, it says, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made out of things which are visible. You see, God is a spirit, and he creates by speaking words. He is a speaking spirit. He is eternal. He is everlasting. He is the creator, and he created by speaking faith-filled words. And that is the image and the likeness that we have been created in. We are speaking spirits, and we create and we can destroy with words. We all know that life and death are in the power of the tongue. So we really are. We are. We have eternal life. We have everlasting life. We are speaking spirits. We are like our God. I want to share a little bit. I want to emphasize that as this creation, like our God, <clears throat> that we have been created a spirit and that we have a soul and that we have a body. In 1 Thessalonians 5.23, it says this, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. I pray, God, that your whole spirit and your whole body, your whole soul and your whole body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We, have, we are a spirit, like our Father, like the Creator, and we have a soul, and we live in this body. In Romans chapter 12, it kind of sh shares with us a little bit about these, these things. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says this. It says, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. It says that we, what we're to do with our body, we're to present our body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Our spirit, we've shared 2 Corinthians chapter 5, but our spirit must be born again. And so that's what we are to do scripturally. This is what Scripture teaches us to do. We are to be born again. We are to renew our mind with the Word of God. And then we are to present our bodies living, a living sacrifice. Here's a Scripture that helped me when I needed more information about What's the difference between my spirit and my soul? 
it was obvious, my body is obvious, you know, we have five senses and we contact this world and we live in this world. We're very um, experienced in this world with our bodies and our soul, our, which is our mind and our will and our emotions. But in an effort to, you know, learn the Spirit of God and the voice of the Spirit and what my spirit is and where my spirit is, <clears throat> this scripture helped me immensely. It's Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, and it says this, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So it's the word of God. The more of God's word that we get inside of us, the more of the light of God's word that we have, then it becomes easier. It becomes more clear. Where is my spirit? What is my spirit? And what is my soul? So I endeavored. I endeavored to get into the word of God. And it worked. Okay. Knowing who we are, knowing how we've been created, there's, I want to talk about the two different worlds that we inhabit and that we live in. We live in heaven and we live in earth. And in heaven, I mean more specifically the, the spirit realm. It's where there's demonic spirits, there's angelic spirits, there's uh, the Holy Ghost. There's a lot in the spirit realm. It's a big realm. The spirit realm is probably more real than this realm, this natural realm, because it's the spirit realm that created this realm. And we understand that this earth, this natural realm, will someday burn up. So we need to learn better on how to live in both of these worlds. We need to learn how to live and how to rule and reign in the spirit realm. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, it says this, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal, and the things that are not seen are eternal. And really what that means is don't pay so much attention to this natural world. It's only temporal. But rather give your attention to the spirit realm, to this eternal realm. And so that's, <clears throat> that's my heart. That's my purpose of sharing the Word of God with, with you today. So, kind of going back a little bit here, we're going to... Uh, I'm going to read from um, the Gospel of John, chapter 3. John, chapter 3, verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. 
the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Two births, two realms or two worlds. There is a natural realm and a spiritual realm. And we need to grow. We need to grow up in living successfully and confidently and victoriously in both. Okay, I know everybody that's watching and hearing me has been born <laughs> in the flesh. And I believe that most everybody here that's watching and listening is born of the Spirit. So I want to expand and go on a little bit more about how we are, how, our, how we are, how we've been created. And in reference to uh, Pentecost, the outpouring of the Spirit, and being baptized with the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> In the Gospel of John, In the Gospel of John, Yeshua is talking to the woman of Samaria, Samaria, and he's at the well. In John chapter 4, verse 13 and 14, he says this, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. When I seen this, I understood that being born again, the recreated human spirit, our spirit, is and becomes like a well. The water that's talked about here is the spirit of God, I believe. And that when we receive Jesus and we, when we are born again, we become a well, a container of the Spirit of God. That is the new birth, the first experience. The second experience is different than that. Jesus talked about in John chapter 7, verses 37, 38, and 39. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture says, out of his belly shall flow 
rivers of living water. I believe that this is an example of being baptized with the Holy Spirit. It is the Spirit, when he's talking about living water, it is the Spirit of God. But it is a different experience. It's not the new birth. It is being baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost. And that this container then overflows a river of living water. And it, to me, gives me that that is the example of speaking with other tongues, which is the first example of being filled, being baptized with the Spirit of God. Scripturally, that is the scriptural definition of being baptized in the Holy Ghost. And maybe, maybe another time we can go through some of those scriptures that confirms what I've just said. All right, verse 39. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believed on him, that's being born again, the new birth, should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. All right? A second experience. There's the new birth, and then there's the baptized or being filled with the Holy Ghost. Rivers of living water. So we're going to continue. Um, and I'm going to share 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, just to emphasize that God wants us to know. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. I know this is about spiritual gifts, and we're not going to go into that, but this is, this is the will of God, that we don't be ignorant about spiritual things. I'm mainly just going to share and teach um, about being filled with the Spirit of God. And those are two different things. There are spiritual gifts by the Holy Ghost. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2, <clears throat> it says this, For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. There is two directions. There's two directions concerning speaking in other tongues. And in this scripture verse, it's talking about the Spirit of God that's in me and in you. And when we speak in other tongues, we are speaking vertically up. When we speak in an unknown tongue, we are not speaking to men. We are speaking unto God. There is other tongues going up, and then there's tongues, other tongues, 
that can be spoken coming down. And when the message of God comes down and inspires a believer to speak out in other tongues, it's coming down and it's God speaking to those who have gathered and can hear. And those tongues is where it talks about in Scripture that these, that tongue must be interpreted. Tongues and interpretation. It talks when it's talking about when it comes down from God, it's usually or always in a church setting or a gathering setting, and it's because God wants to speak to his people. These are two different directions. One is man speaking to God in an unknown, unknown tongue, and the other is God speaking to man through tongues and interpretation. Tongues and interpretation are equal to prophecy. God can speak to his people when one speaks words of encouragement and edification to his body. So, don't confuse, let's not confuse the two. There can be a church full of people, and everybody can be speaking in tongues, and it's not them speaking unto men, it's them speaking unto God. Then, The same can be true. Then God can speak to his people through tongues and interpretation or prophecy. They're the same. But just be mindful that there is two directions. There is communication to God, from us to God, and then there's communication from God to us, to the body. Okay, I would like to share with you 1 Corinthians, from 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 14 through 18. I've ran out of markers. <laughs> Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 14 through 18. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will Sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. For else, or else, when thou shalt bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupieth the room of the unlearned say, Amen, at thy giving of thanks, seeing that he understandeth not what you say? You see, there's, in this example, it's individuals 
speaking and praying and singing in other tongues. And the unlearned would not understand that that's the direction of prayer. Instructions, these kind of people then need to be instructed that that's what's happening. People are praying, believers are praying unto their God in an unknown tongue. And men, and they don't even know what for sure they are praying because it's in other tongues. And it says why that we need to instruct those that are unlearned. For verily, for thou verily, givest thanks well, but the other is not edified. Okay, so lack of instruction. Now, if they probably continue in this gathering, that, that God may speak to the people coming down from heaven, and then it would be tongues and the interpretation and or prophecy. I resemble this verse. I thank my God that I speak with tongues more than you all. Hallelujah. When I learned the benefit of speaking in other tongues, I entered in. And there's benefits. There's benefits of speaking in other tongues much. In Jude, verse 20, it says, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. That's other tongues. It's not tongues from heaven. It's not a message or a word from heaven um, where it's spoken in other tongues and then there must be an interpretation. No, this is the individual charging his spirit building himself up by praying in the other <clears throat> by praying in other tongues by praying in the spirit i have noticed that the more time that i spend building myself up praying in other tongues that god uses me more i find that praying in other tongues building myself up i am stronger and not so easily tempted, not so easily tempted to fall. Praying in other tongues builds us up. Okay, I just want to share some scriptures now about, you know, not walking in the flesh, but walking or living in the spirit. In Romans, chapter 8, verses 13 through 16, I'll read. For if we live after the flesh, you shall die. But if through the Spirit you do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. 
the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The main way that the Holy Ghost speaks to us as children of God is by the inner witness. There are times where he may speak to us in our spirit in such a strong way that it seems like it's audible. But those times are rare. Most of the time, he leads, he guides his children by the inward witness. Another scripture calls it the still small voice. I've also learned that spending time praying in the Holy Ghost, that I am more sensitive. I am able to hear and perceive this witness and his voice. Also, in chapter 8 of Romans, Romans chapter 8, verse 26, it tells us that the Holy Spirit is our helper. We'll go over some scriptures in a little bit. He's our comforter. He's our intercessor. He's our helper. He's our friend. He sticks closer than a brother. But in this scripture, it's talking about the Holy Spirit helping us to pray. Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Another translation unspeakable yearnings and groanings too deep for utterance. And there is a place in prayer, there is a place in the Holy Ghost where you can be interceding and a spirit of intercession will come upon you to help pray out or pray for another. Another definition in this scripture is one who takes hold together with us against against the forces and the powers of darkness. This is what praying in the Holy Ghost gives us. The Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. There is a depth, and I have been there a few times, not very many. I have seen other people that have been used more along these lines. But when you get into this place of intercession and prayer, you, by the Spirit of God, you are taken and you put yourself kind of in the place of someone. If it's someone who is um, not a Christian, then a, 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 a tremendous burden for salvation will come upon them. And if you will yield to these times where the Spirit will move upon you to intercede with deep prayer and deep utterances, enter in.
because that's the Spirit of God doing a mighty work in the Spirit to set people free, to deliver people, to get God's answer for people. Verse 27, And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Another translation says the perfect will of God. So there's, it's an infirmity to not know what and how to pray. And then there's a way to pray the perfect will of God. When we pray by the Spirit, when we pray in other tongues, we pray that way. We pray the perfect will of God. It is the Holy Ghost in our heart, in our spirit, doing the praying. If we believe that and if we will yield to that, we can quench the Spirit. We can quench when the Spirit moves on us in these ways. So we need to learn, we need to grow up in these things of the Spirit. Again, the difference between walking in this natural world and walking in the Spirit, Romans 8, verses 4 through 6, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I think that going through this coronavirus phase, this plague that Pastor Nick has shared, I believe if you are not living in the life of God and his peace, that we need to grow up. We need to be more mature not to be so carnally minded, but to be spiritually minded, to be more spiritually minded. So then again, I say, the more that we pray in other tongues, the more that we become spiritually minded, we become more sensitive to the things of the Spirit, we become more more yielded, and we can become more used of God by praying in other tongues. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, 17. I'm sorry, in verse 18 and verse 19. It talks about this, these things. It talks about being in the Spirit. Verse 18. Praying always with all kinds of prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Verse 19, And for me, pray 
for me. How about pray for Pastor Nick? That utterance may be given unto him, that he may open his mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Going back to verse 18, praying always. How can we pray always? I know a lot of God's word, and I like to pray his word. I pray with as much understanding that I have. But there comes a time when I run out of praying what I know. Praise God for the Holy Ghost. There's no way we can live praying always if we don't utilize praying in other tongues. Okay, I'm going to continue in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17 and 18. It says here, Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Verse 18, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. Let's not get too distracted by that. That is the will of God. But the emphasis is the next part of that, verse 18. It says, but be filled with the Spirit. The will of God is be filled with the Spirit. Another translation says this, Be being filled with the Spirit. And that means continuously. You know, I've heard Christians say, back in 1956, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit and I spoke with other tongues. And that was the last time I spoke in other tongues. No. The will of God is be being filled with the Spirit. That means it is a lifestyle. That means continuously. If you have found yourself dry, maybe defeated, it's because you have leaked out. (laughs) The Spirit of man can kind of leak out the Spirit, and he needs to be continuously filled. He needs to speak in tongues more. Verse 19. This is how, this is a part of how we continuously be being filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart unto the Lord. I, from time to time, hear Tikva walking through the house singing, making a joyful noise to the Lord. (laughs) But she is filling herself up with the Spirit of God. Let me share this testimony that I too, the more that I do this, the more that I enter into 
praise and worship, the more that I continuously fill myself up, the more that I am victorious and successful and walking in the things of God. If you desire, if you find yourself dry and lacking, this is what you need to do. You need to continuously be being filled with the Spirit. Verse 20 to finish this. Giving thanks always. That is a part of filling filling yourself up. Be a person who is continuously thankful and thanking God. Hallelujah. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me just share this. This is a little note I've made. Some things of the Spirit are taught. The deep things of the Spirit are caught. Now, you won't catch these things that are deep if you're never in the Spirit. So, having said these things, let us do these things. Another little note. Prayer exhilarates the plan of God. You being frustrated, (laughs) discouraged, disappointed with how your life is going, how the plan of God that he has shown you is going, (laughs) that's a telltale sign you are not in the spirit, you are not in prayer. You have not been filling yourself up. Prayer exhilarates the plan of God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm getting excited. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to share some things. If you don't know your identity, you will never fulfill your destiny. Hallelujah. Long time ago, here, I was not here. But God began with giving Pastor Randy Dreyer and his wife Tikva vision. A vision. I was not here but this bears witness with my spirit. When when Pastor Randy passed away, that mantle, the vision, fell to Pastor Nick. That's that's very biblical. I was not here through this, but I see it. Beit Tehillah was founded on vision, purpose, destiny. Hallelujah. (laughs) Come on, somebody. 
Can I just get two people to get excited? I say that to bless you, Pastor Nick. Okay. Moving along. For 11 years, I faithfully attended Word of Faith Church and Outreach Center in Bismarck, North Dakota. Hallelujah. And then later, I spent 18 years at Spirit of Faith Family Church in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. So, I've seen these people, and I have refused to be like these people. But, as an example, for 11 years, I got the word of faith. I got word, the word of God on faith. And I hopped around on one leg. Then, I went to Spirit of Faith Family Church and grew in the things of the Spirit. And it was like hopping around on one leg, the other leg. But if we are to fulfill the vision, if we are to run with this vision, we must be able to run on both legs. We must have the word and we must have the spirit. How appropriate that Shavuot is coming, the feast where we have received the word and the feast where we have received the spirit. We need both if we are going to fulfill this vision, to fulfill this purpose, and to attain our destiny. <laughs> Come on, somebody. All right, I'm going to share one more set of scriptures. It's Ephesians chapter 3. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost inspired Paul to write this. These are inspired words. And the Holy Ghost gave them to Paul because he wanted to answer these prayers. The Holy Ghost wants to answer this prayer. Now, this is out of the Amplified Bible because it is really good. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. For this reason, seeing the greatness of this plan by which you are built together in Christ, I bow my knees before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that he may grant us out of the rich treasury of his glory to be strengthened and reinforced with mighty power in the inner man by the Holy Spirit himself indwelling our innermost being and personality. May Christ, through your faith, 
actually dwell, settle down, abide, make his permanent home in your hearts. May you be rooted deep in love, founded securely on love, that you may have the power and be strong to apprehend and grasp with all the saints, God's devoted people, the experience of that love. You know, we're not just to know about God's love, but we are to experience it. That we may come to know the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you may be filled through all your being unto all the fullness of God, may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body holy, filled and flooded with God himself. Now to him who, by the action of his power that is at work within us, be able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly far over and above all that we dare ask or think infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So be it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. God's word is true and he is faithful to his word. Shabbat Shalom. Shalom.